0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Proper Mental Podcast. This week is episode 83 and my guest is Maurice Gorhan, who is a comedian and an author. And Maurice was 23 when her father died by suicide, but by this time she was already experiencing problems with her own mental health. In the aftermath of her dad's death, she went on a journey of self-destruction from Dublin to Amsterdam and then on to Los Angeles. And she would eventually end up spending some time in a California psychiatric ward, And would start to get some understanding of her grief and how to start getting well. And she ended up writing down this story in a recently published memoir, which is called Trouble. And it's out now, wherever you buy your books from. It's an incredible read. It's a really incredible story. I think I read a review of it somewhere when it first came out earlier this year. And I got it straight away and um, I read it. It was one of those books, I couldn't put it down. I read it in like four days or something. And I messaged Maurice to come on and chat about it before I'd even finished. And we talk about that book, we talk about writing it and how putting down your deepest, darkest secrets, some of the horrible things that have happened to you, some of the horrible things that you've done, putting all this stuff down in a book and just putting it out in the world for people to read. We talk about that. We talk about growing up around undiagnosed mental illness. We talk about suicide. We talk about addiction. We talk about shame, sobriety, and what it's like to spend some time in an American psychiatric ward. One thing Maurice is really well known for in her comedy and her writing is her honesty. And that's exactly what I got here. We really get into it. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to talk about. And um, Maurice was just lovely. I can't Thank her enough for her openness and her honesty. And as always with mental health, we uh, we find the funny side, you know. There's some laughs in there as well. Her book is called Trouble and it's out now. Wherever you get your books from, shop local in it. Go for an independent if you can. If you'd like to know more about Maurice, more about the book and any of her upcoming dates and all that sort of stuff, you can go to MauriceGorhan.com and you can follow her on social media at mariescorhan. And if you'd like to chat to me about anything at all, if you head to propermentalpodcast.com, you can send me an email through the contact page. Or you can track me down on social media at Proper Mental Podcast in all the usual places. If you'd like to support the podcast, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash propermental. There's a link in the episode notes and you can buy me a virtual coffee to help support the podcast financially. Or the easiest way and the freest way is to rate, review, subscribe, wherever you're listening, find some stars, click the fifth one and write some kind words, that would be lovely and very much appreciated. So this is episode 83 of The Proper Mental Podcast with Maurice Gorhan. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy! So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast and my guest this week is Maurice Gorhan. How are you, mate?
1: Hey, amazing. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much for for joining me today. I really really appreciate it, mate. Are you in um London at the moment, Maurice? Is that where you're you're based?
1: Yeah. In the beautiful city of London. I hate it. I hate London so much.
0: Really, yeah. Yeah, is that um, where you are? No, no. I'm um I'm in the Northwest. I'm near Liverpool.
1: Ah, uh, I like Liverpool.
0: Yeah, it's a cool, cool city, man. I um, I saw you on YouTube at the, the Hot Water Comedy Club. One of your sets from a few years ago was actually on uh, on YouTube when I popped your name in to do a bit of research for this this episode.
1: I know, it's so mortifying. It's like no one wants a gig from when they first started comedy online. The only good thing is they've spelt my name wrong, but uh, yeah, it's mortifying. Don't, don't ever mention that to me again. <laughs> oh,
0: <right. laughs> I'll leave that out. Leave that out completely. <laughs> it's a sick place though, eh? Um, the Hot Water Comedy Club, man. It's a it's a good venue, I think. Yeah, it's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I haven't done it in years, but I liked like the vibe of Liverpool.
0: Yeah, tough crowd for an early gig. I think uh, the, 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 the Scouse crowd is quite quite famous, but um, I've been I've been reading your book, mate, and it's so cool. I um, I really really enjoyed it. I read it, I read it so quick, and there was a few things that really stood out to me. One in particular was really like the mental health conversation. I always think that it's such a human conversation, right? So some of these things that we go through, some of these experiences are, are so are so human. And we don't necessarily have to experience the same thing. But the fact that we've experienced something kind of gives you some common ground with someone. And I was reading, reading your book. And I mean, your, your story is like, it's heavy, right? There's there's a lot. And it's very different to my own journey. But when I was reading it, I was like, I get this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I understand it. Like, there was aspects of it within stuff that wasn't very relatable that was, completely relatable and am like yeah that was a really nice um nice experience but what's it like having the having the book out and having people dig into it and all that stuff
1: it's weird like writing it I mean it sounds stupid but I forgot that people would read it um and I also like I wrote it I'm sober now but I wrote the book drunk <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't admit that but I did and like I really operated on you know the like write drunk edit sober. Um, and then I just started editing drunk as all well towards towards the end, everything was just undrunk. Um, so so I kind of have forgotten a lot of what I wrote when I was reading the audiobook. I was like, Oh geez, this is a lot. Like, I can't believe really I put this in here. Um, especially the sex stuff having to read that out loud. I was like, this is mortifying. Um, so yeah, it's weird, it's weird having especially family members like my mum read it and she had to remove the cover with my face on it because she couldn't keep looking at my face as she was reading it um but weirdly people people are I think more uncomfortable with like the sex stuff than the suicide stuff yeah maybe it's like an Irish thing but um like the stuff there's stuff of like masturbating that that was my mom's least favorite bit um so I think that's kind of more more embarrassing that people you know reading that stuff um but other people I don't know it's kind of weird it it almost feels like detached when someone says like if someone gives me a compliment about it it doesn't feel like they're speaking about the book I wrote it feels like it's a book the book they read is separate to the book I wrote somehow I don't
0: know if that makes any sense. No, it does. Yeah, yeah. I suppose there must be something like really surreal about it because your story is your story, right? And it's just yours. So it's only when someone else reads it and goes like, "Oh, that's a bit unusual," or "Oh, I thought about that," and you go, "Well, to me, that was just you know last year or (laughs) last week, or it's not, you know, it's just your normal, right? It's just your lived experience, and that's that's it."
1: Yeah, everyone's been like, "Oh, you're so honest in this. Like, are you afraid of that?" And I was like, "Not until you've just said that." (laughs) I just thought this is regular stuff. Uh, now, hearing that, now I'm afraid of, of putting that out there. Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose everything is like through people's own, own perspective. Um, so, to me, yeah, it didn't feel like that wild of an experience because it was mine. Um, and we're very scared over, like, this is normal what I've gone through. Um, so, yeah, like hearing other people say um, that it, that it, and normal or that it was like really dark. Um was yeah, it's weird.
0: Yeah, definitely. I suppose that's that's kind of what I was trying to trying to say that when I was talking about it, you know, it like even though it's different to my experience, like I I I get it, you know, and I think when you have experienced like mental ill health, you know, to that extent, you do kind of like, it doesn't really matter underlying all the stuff is the, the illness. And that's the bit that you go, yeah, I get that. I feel that. And I very much got it. Um, got that from the right I don't want to sit here and like blow smoke up your ass I always think that's a really weird thing to do but um, I did like I was really rooting for you in it mate I really was um, I was rooting for you and the funny bits really made me laugh and the sad bits really made me sad and it was um, that's what I want from a book so um, yeah that so that was that was sick that's my review oh
1: that's so nice thank (laughs) you yeah Yeah.
0: but your book kind of starts and your own mental health troubles start at a very young age right and something that again really jumped out to me is when you were writing about your dad in the early chapters um and he was like clearly not well but at that time if we go back you know like the eight ten or so years there wasn't really words for mental health right there wasn't really a way of describing or knowing what was going on with your dad other than sort of saying he was eccentric or mad or any of the like stereotypical terms does that make sense
1: yeah it's even 10 years ago and like this is I guess 20 years ago but even 10 years ago like we I feel like we knew nothing really like we're laughing at you know people like Schneider, Connor, or Britney Spears um whereas in now I feel like people are a lot more um I don't know if it's like just more knowledgeable um or, or what it is but yeah growing up It was just like that's my dad that's just who he is he's crazy um i don't even think i'd ever even heard of the term like mental illness um it was it was just like that's a part of him um and because he was an alcoholic he spent most of my life sober but that was like very much his identity it was like oh he's an alcoholic um so anything like depression or anything like that was um that was such a foreign language to me um growing up and I feel like it was to everybody you know um maybe Americans maybe Americans have been like on on the ball for like probably like 30 years like they've all been on Prozac since they're about two. but uh yeah yeah it's it, it's weird to like look back now and know what you know now Um, Because you can see it very clearly, and it's like, how could I have missed all that? How could even something? It sounds so blunt, but like, if someone tries to kill themselves, surely that's a sign of mental illness. Uh, But I remember at the time not not really computing the two, like not relating it at all. Um, But yeah, I think it just came from from a a place of ignorance. Like we just didn't know um, anything to do with mental health
0: back then yeah and i think it's like it's one of those things that when you do know you know and when you don't you don't and it's that simple you know i was when i was poorly i didn't know what was happening to me i didn't have a clue i didn't know what i was experiencing something that i couldn't explain i didn't know what was you know and i uh, I, the reason this podcast is called "proper mental" is because that's how I used to describe it. I thought I was going proper mental, like I didn't have any other words for it, you know. So I think it is just one of those things. It's unfortunately we usually by the time we find out about this stuff, it's like far too late, right? You have to kind of go somewhere pretty dark to get the knowledge to uh, to help yourself out.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I like to think I'm pretty wise now. I'm still an idiot. I read the Daily Mail um but I like to think I'm uh, compared to what I was but uh yeah it's only from going to like a very dark place um I read this quote before of like we don't change because we want to change we change because we have to and I think it's a bit of both you have to want to as well but like yeah if your life is going amazingly what's the incentive um you have to go to yeah I'm not saying that's almost like I'm encouraging it. Like you should go to a really dark place, then you'll get some um, life wisdom. Uh, but no, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you.
0: Yeah, it tends to, be, tends to be how it works sort of as a as a rule. And you mentioned the, the fact that, that your dad took his own life, Maurice, and that like I kind of think of all the stigma around mental health and mental illness, there's like stigma within stigma and, and suicide is almost there. It's almost like the last taboo isn't it it's the bit that even people who talk about mental health can get a bit funny about t- talking about but that was again your experience from a young age was having that kind of in the environment right
1: yeah it's it's a weird one because um you know what i mean suicide it, it's like the worst outcome possible of if, if someone has a mental illness um but it it almost was like the, the least painful of, of of having a mentally ill father, that, that the actual act itself, I mean, it, it definitely scarred me. Um, but, but it was, there was like the eventuality that I always kind of felt like he was going to do that um, in some weird, you know, it wasn't probably a conscious thought of my dad is going to kill himself, but it was always this fear in the back of um, your mind. That this was going to happen especially when you see someone who's um sick who, who who will not help themselves either they don't know how to or um you know it's hard it's really hard to help yourself so you know maybe they're not willing to what for whatever reason um so like that living in that constant fear um i think was like the worst part of it of you know Will it be today? Will it be because of something I've done? Will it be because of X, Y, Z? Um, And there's in this really weird way, there's almost a relief when it happens, because it's like, oh, that that's the bad. This is the worst thing that can happen. And it's happened. And it can't go any worse than this, Um, which is a very weird thing to say to someone who hasn't um, had experience either like their own mental health or with a close um someone close to them because it sounds so cold-hearted um but yeah that was kind of the reality of it
0: yeah and that makes sense to me right I get that um one thing my wife always says about my own um the own problems that I had is that the worst bit was the not knowing the not knowing like who would come down the stairs you know whether it would be the, the happy me or the sad me or the angry me or and you know that's the most that's the most challenging bit, isn't it? Of living with someone who's not well is the unpredictability. At least if things are always shit, well, then, you know, it's always shit, right? It's the not knowing, you know, not knowing whether it's going to be shit or not. That's the most challenging thing, I think, or one of the most challenging things.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like sometimes people like we focus on like the worst case scenario of say suicide. And it becomes almost this like very tragic Um concept um and people forget like living with someone who's mentally ill is exhausting it it is it is annoying it is um there's so many bad um emotions that that go along with it it's sometimes we'll look at someone who's killed themselves and um it's almost like it's just that it's like this was a terrible tragedy. But living with someone who's mentally ill is a really tough thing to do. Um, if you're the person or if you're you know the the one living with them. Um and I feel like we we ignore that a lot, um, of just how horrible it is. Um and it's really hard to separate because like when it's a disease of the mind, it's so hard to separate the person from it um even like when i have gone through really bad mental um crises or whatever you want to call them I, I can, you can never tell it's like is this the real me or is this a disease happening because how do you separate something that is in your brain and it's your brain that makes the thoughts um so yeah it's it's it can be like a really horrible thing for for someone to watch um someone go through that especially if there's no like easy scenario out of it
0: yeah, very much so. And I suppose to the polar opposite of that as well, as we also tend to forget with these like heavy, sad stories that in amongst the bad times, there's some good times too, right? So, you know, when I look back at my period of ill health, I like all I can think about is the dark stuff. You know, I've got a hundred stories of horrible things, but then like, you know, my wife will remind me, yeah, but you know, in between that, you know, you know, we went to the zoo and we went to the park and we did all this stuff and like in between the, the, the massive things. And I think like, that's where the media portrayal of mental health has a huge impact because all we tend to know if you don't know about mental health all we know is like eastenders and someone's crying on the couch and it's all this big to do but most people who are struggling are just ordinary people trying to get through their life and sometimes they're better at hiding it and sometimes they feel it a bit less and you know some days are great and other days are shit and you're just trying to like muddle through somewhere in the middle right
1: yeah yeah when i was going i always like the the one thing that like I have learned from being suicidal that like is the the only like lesson I've learned from it is like just tell yourself not today because it's very rare that you'll go like a full 24 hours of like I want to end my life like that's severe there's like good moments how even if you're in like a long stretch of depression you're right there's like good moments in it or there's like you might have like a laugh even if you're still feeling terrible um that's like the only thing that would like it's almost like procrastinate procrastination of doing it, of just okay, just I can do it tomorrow, just not today. Um, because yeah, usually there will be like a, a another good feeling in those 24 hours that will like convince you to push it off another 24 hours and hopefully then you'll like get long-term help that you know you won't be in that state anymore, but just when you're in it, it's good to just try and push it off for 24 hours.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Just buy yourself a bit more time and then who knows what's going to happen in that next, next bit of time that you have bought yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that very much. So like if you, when you're like looking back at your, your childhood and it's probably not something you realized at the time, but looking back now, would it have been at quite a young age that you started to um, struggle yourself, Maurice Were the signs there from quite a young age for you as well?
1: Yeah. I remember when I became a teenager and I was just like a nightmare. I was a massive bitch um, and just very difficult in school. Um, And it was like, it's so it's really, I guess, because you can't just pull out one thing because I'm like, how much of it was like a cause and effect? Like my dad was going through all this stuff. He, you know, had suicide attempts. Um, You know, he would like argue with me and blame it on me. And you, you internalize that. So I don't know, like how much of it was like as a result of like our relationship or how much of it was just like my DNA that's you know there um but I remember yeah I think like 14 was the first time I went on medication and it was like a a horrific experience it was um I remember going on Prozac and that was like the worst time of my life I think being on Prozac but like this really high dose and I was like this zombie But you don't realize at that age that, you know, it can, it's like dating going on antidepressants, like you have to try a bunch of stuff. um, And some of them cannot work, but you don't realize that when you're that age, or maybe it was back then. Um, So I had like a horrific year of just feeling nothing just absolutely nothing and like it it just felt like I was in a dream all the time like I wasn't living real life and I was like this is if this is it for the rest of my life like what is the point um and then then it went away when I went to college and then I went back and like it's always anytime I get like a bit smug being like oh I'm a happy person now um, it does find a way of coming back. But I feel like as you get older, you just especially if you're like going to therapy and shit, um, you just have the tools so that it's like less bad each time it happens again. Um I hope. I hope. I suppose you never know.
0: Yeah, that's it. And I, I I suppose spotting it for me, spotting things coming a bit earlier, you know, rather than just like wake up in the morning, put my feet on the floor and think, right, what sort of day is it going to be today? You know, like just running that lottery of of madness almost. Whereas now I can kind of see the signs come in a little bit quicker. I can't always catch them, you know, but at least yeah. I know. At least what know are your one.
1: signs? What are like, what will you see being like, Oh, I better get a check on this.
0: Uh, I get really short tempered, really, really short tempered. Um, and like the smallest things. I'm quite laid back. I don't really care about that much stuff. My theory is like nothing really exists, you know? So who cares? But um, yeah, so small things start meaning a lot to me. I get really, really short-tempered. My ability to sleep disappears completely and I'm just like awake all the time or wake up at really, really funny times. You know, my days tend to start at like three in the morning and I'm just up full of energy, ready to go. And I just kind of know. But then also to go with that, when these things start happening, if I start looking back through my life, I'll normally find that I'm neglecting something that's important to me. It's like, oh shit. Yeah. I haven't took me meds for a couple of days or, um, you know, like I haven't been looking after myself. Maybe I've been eating shit for a week and, you know, spending too much time on Instagram and it, it kind of like, I can, I can put the pieces in place to realize why I've got to where I was. And I think that's, for me, that's one of my biggest tools is just that awareness of, you know it doesn't stop me doing it yet unfortunately like I still still eat shit and go on Instagram and feel shit about it but um you know knowing that I'm doing it feels like a massive step because for so long I didn't know that that was a thing
1: yeah it's crazy how like simple we are as human humans because you know nice weather it's like it does just make you feel better like sleeping eight hours a day it's so basic um And, you know, it kind of feels like almost ridiculous to say it, because especially when you're like in a depression, you're like, no, I'm the most tragic figure that's ever existed. Nothing will fix me. Definitely not just sleeping and eating well and going for a walk and, you know, all this stuff. Um, We can kind of sensationalize like the disease of whatever it is that you have um but man that shit works yeah (laughs) everything works who knew
0: (laughs) I think that's where the um you know because I wanted to ask you about about comedy right because that's what you do and that's a lot of your um the stuff that you talk about is your own experiences is things from your book and I think that's for me that's where the that's where the humor is right is when you look at that depressive mindset Out of context. And I can look back and some of the things I've said or that I've done are absolutely bizarre. They're really funny. And at the time, they weren't funny. And I wouldn't laugh at anyone else doing them. But, you know, like me and my wife can joke about some of the things that I said to her when I was in it, because that, yeah, without the context of, of mental illness, like some of this stuff is bizarrely amusing, isn't it?
1: yeah it wasn't just like dramatic stuff or yeah
0: yeah or that just the dramatic like you say the kind of the the dramatic flamboyant making it all about me you know yeah like, yeah you know, like a, a cry for help isn't always this like emotional pleading to be saved sometimes a cry for help is just being a dick
1: yeah and, you know, and that's that's after the event that's funny i think oh uh, yeah yeah 100 i i mean especially like i'm sober now like i'm I kind of even though I feel like I've done all this work on my mental health in the past like five years now that I'm sober I'm like oh kind of didn't really count because I was drunk for most of it um but now like looking back or reading emails I sent drunk and like it's so cringy like I think I'm I think I'm a main character in a film sometimes I've quoted films I've quoted films but pretended I haven't quite like pretended it was my own thoughts and it's like this is so embarrassing, um but yeah, it's at the time if you had told me like that's embarrassing, I'd be like, how dare you? How dare you? Um, so it's it's definitely good uh to be able to laugh about yourself because we're all so embarrassing. We're so cringy.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, take away that context of of being poorly, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just weird today. It's just odd.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: How did you? Um... How did you get to the point, Maurice, where you kind of knew things had to had to change? Because, you know, it does it, your story. It does get dark, doesn't it? But how how did you get to that to that point where that sort of, you know, where, where you're close to giving up and, and certainly see a bit, you know, there's not not much hope there at one point. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had about like 20 rock bottoms, like every story I start with when I'm like, look, I was going through a lot. And uh, now now I just have to be like, okay, maybe this is just my life. Um, But I know I I was living over in L.A. And um, I mean, it it had been bad for a few years. And, you know, I was uh, (sighs) doing destructive things, I suppose. Um, (sighs) I was like having sex with old men for money. I was doing a lot of coke, I was um, drinking a lot, Um, yeah I mean nothing there is gonna be good for like you know the happiest person. Um, So I got to like a really dark place and I was always like especially after my dad killed himself I had this like really messed up idea that like that is my legacy, he did it, I'm gonna do it. So I was doing all this mad shit because I just had this belief that I was going to kill myself. And I was always kind of like half doing it, like not fully invested, but I do, you know, I dip my toes in the water, but I didn't really want to die. I don't think anyone really, maybe, I don't know. I I, I think like our bodies don't want to die. I think it's really hard to kill yourself. It's our bodies like naturally fight to to stay alive um and you know Annie, i know for me anyway anytime i've wanted to kill myself well i really just wanted to stop feeling the badness i felt and i didn't have the tools to get myself out of it any other way so i you know i had this one thing that i was like this for sure would stop the badness um and then i when i was in la i had like i guess like one serious attempt um and I ended up in the hospital there um it was such a it was like in Beverly Hills it was like the it was one of the one the the celebrity one that like Britney and stuff was at it was like it was so nice. the bill i mean I've never paid it, but the bill was like eighty grand for a week there wow, yeah, yeah, um, I just my mom sent back like returned to sender um but then, yeah, then they like the fifty fifty one fifty I think it's called. Where they like they put you in a psych ward for a few days if you try to kill yourself in california um and i was in there with um the normal people were like the people who had tried to kill themselves and then the crazy people were the people who were in there because they're a threat to other people so um even though it was only three days it felt like about three months in there um and i just remember you know thinking like something has to change like if I continue I'm going to just be like these people who you know have just ran their whole lives um I need to take responsibility for myself and I think like for the first time I've gone I've been on and off with therapists since I was 14 and on and off medication since then but I think that was the first time I was like shit I want to help myself like I want to live I want to figure out how to do that I don't want to die and I don't want to live this life where I'm like constantly thinking I'm going to die um or wishing i half wishing whatever it was um so yeah I did like therapy and luckily I that the therapist I got then was like we just vibed because I've had therapy I've had a therapist break up with me she was like I don't feel like you're you're giving me enough and I was like I'm literally giving you everything uh so we just vibed and yeah it was like the right time where like I was willing to 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 do the work to help myself um and it was hard man it was so hard it's still so hard
0: yeah that's the thing no one tells you about therapy right so like I always thought that I just got to go and I'd talk I thought I'd always have this like big um goodwill hunting moment you know and he'd (laughs) tell me it's not my fault and we'd have a hug and a cry and I'd skip out of there and everything would be uh you know, and then I'd quite a shock where I'd been going for weeks and not really talked about anything at all. And um, yeah, no one tells you that, right? No one tells you that to for therapy to work, you have to work it. You don't just go along and talk. You have to do all the other shit that, you know, that it kind of throws up and um, it's not just sitting on a couch having a chat, right?
1: Yeah. And also you just have to keep doing it. No one tells you that. I was like, oh, you just got to figure it out once and then you're done. It's like, now you got to do this shit like every day. <laughs>
0: when I was um before I even knew I was poorly I um I work for myself now but I used to work for the NHS and I'd had some problems at work and I got referred to um counseling through work and I had to wait ages for it and then when I finally got I got like an afternoon off work so I was out of the office the sun was shining I had the windows down and my music on when I drove up to this therapy session I chatted to this really nice woman and she was like right when do you want your next appointment and I was like I feel great I don't think I need one (laughs) I just thought I'd cracked it you know like one one go and then like fast forward fast forward a few weeks and all hell's breaking loose all over again but yeah you got to keep going back even when you kind of yeah there's always a bit more to do right there's always a bit more to do
1: yeah and it's when you think that you're like fixed that's um it's like a real false bottom because yeah when I just like take enough time off of um helping myself I guess and like it comes back it can come back so quickly just out of nowhere it's like a punch in your face where it's like oh wow I thought we were done with this uh but it's always it's always there like no that that kind of sounds like some threat or something though it's always there but it's like i remember in 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 rehab there's one therapist and he described it where he's like it's like there's like this little child in me and he's like really bad he he was talking about his addiction but i feel like to anything he was like it's it's this and i always viewed it as this monster because he was creating all this like um havoc in my life and he was making me miserable and i couldn't stop and addiction was this monster and then um i i later realized it was it was just a little kid it was just a little kid and you know he just doesn't know how to act and he's like when when i stopped seeing it as this like monster villain and instead saw it as this like helpless little child that i need to like look after so he doesn't go out of control but he's not this um horrendous awful villain figure um it like changed how i saw my life uh i feel like he told the story better but maybe you know he just sounded more wise than me uh i
0: I get it man i love that whole thing about compassion right yeah you know rather than um rather than hating yourself and rather than you can't aggressively handle mental health. I used to try and like headlock my mental health. Right. And if I was going to meditate, I was going to fucking meditate. within an inch (laughs) of my life. Do you know what I mean? Like I was going to come out with some, some awareness, you know, level up on awareness, whether I wanted to or not. And if I was going to exercise, I was going to smash the gym four times a week. And I just kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker, you know? And it's as soon as, once I started, hang on a minute I don't have to hate myself better you know if I can have that <laughs> compassion that I can I can I sound really cheesy but I can love myself better right rather than hate myself better and that's kind of uh yeah,
1: yeah. I like that you can't hate yourself better
0: yeah yeah man it's a uh, again it's one of those things you tend to learn the learn the hard way I think learn the hard way
1: yeah, yeah there's no learning the easy way with it
0: then you would <laughs> I don't know was um were, were you one of those people Maurice that kind of uh drink always just kind of worked for did you have that thing where you're like as soon as you tried it it was like oh this is for me or is that you know was it a different type of experience for you
1: I feel like I had the normal like growing up with alcohol which experience um which I guess is not normal in in Ireland and the UK of just like being absolutely shit-faced and like you know vomiting all the time and it's like oh great night Um, but I think it was pretty, pretty normal. It it was, I I think it's like when I realized probably in my mid, mid twenties that like alcohol is a thing that will make me feel good when I feel bad, um, that then it really became a crutch. Um, but I still, I just, you know, I want to feel good. I so I will do the thing that makes me feel good. And you know, people will say, oh, but you know, eventually it makes you feel worse. Um, and it does, but like it still made me like even now I know if I'm feeling really sad, I could drink right now, I will feel good tonight. Um, but it's just it became a thing where it's like it just it is a progressive disease and you know. It, was, it was two years where i couldn't go one day without drinking every day i'd be like i will just not drink this one day i was uh, I, I was really feeling like the physical effect of it um and i just couldn't go one day um and um luckily um i was able to go to rehab earlier this year and um it completely like changed how, like i didn't go into rehab thinking i'm an alcoholic and I'll never drink again. I went in thinking like, oh, this will be a little reset um so I can drink really well and after 28 days. Uh, but it completely changed how I saw everything. And uh, you know, it seems stupid because I had a dad who was an addict and um had mental health issues. So it's crazy that I like would not see that link in myself. Um but yeah, it's so it, it, now. Yeah, it's very obvious to me, um, and it's. I'm still. I'm still trying to figure out the solution that's not alcohol to making me feel better. Like I still struggle when I feel bad. I don't know how to get myself out of it. Um, but right now, I'm like, as long as I don't drink, that's a win. Like whatever else I do, well, you know, not whatever else I do. <laughs> not giving you know, carb lunch to do whatever but just don't drink when you're feeling bad. Um, And, you know, hopefully in in a few more months, I'll be able to like, okay, now let's try get out of that. Like when you feel bad, um, I don't know, I'd love to like, a plan to do it or something I don't know I don't know the answer
0: <laughs> yeah that's it I suppose there is no answer right it's just time just time and and learning and and everything that that comes with it yeah it's all I always think that the addiction the alcohol conversation around mental health is really um it's really fascinating you know and they kind of things go do go hand in hand and it's you know, yeah, it's heavy. There's a lot there, right? There's a lot there. So like after you came out of hospital and you were engaging in therapy and stuff, you were still drinking then, right? That was still, still going on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just, um, yeah, it was not, I don't know if it's something that like, I just couldn't accept because when you accept that you have a problem with drinking, that means you can't drink anymore. So if you have a problem with drinking, that's the last thing you want to do. It's like, no, I want to keep drinking. So I'm never going to admit that I to myself that i have a problem with it um but yeah and like i can still you know they they say they have very like hard and fast rules in like places like rehab and addiction and you know all the recovery programs of you know like anything you did in act active, active addiction you can wipe out it doesn't count good or bad um and i kind of don't subscribe to that uh, in either way you know it's like I did do good work on my mental health even though I was drinking um, and I also like I did bad things that I shouldn't be excused for just because I was drinking so I don't agree with like their their blanket statement there's a lot of um, kind of binary rules in there that yeah I don't really buy but um, but yeah it, I still think I did some good work um, but yeah it's it's a lot different being sober now when when you, yeah. It's in a good way and a bad way. You don't like over dra- dramatize things as much, but um it, it's harder. Uh it's ho- yeah, it's hard work. It's hard work to to be sober.
0: Yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much so. You it's, um, Are you sober? I, I don't, I'm sober, yeah. I'm sober. I, so I I'm coming up on six years sober.
1: Wow. Um, Okay. Yeah. what's what's the secret man hey 60 do don't just say one day at a time give me something more give
0: me- <laughs> i kind of for me um i think i in a, in a way i'm really really lucky right because i'm i'm at a stage of my life where i've got two small children i'm married and i'm just at that stage of life where those opportunities aren't there anymore you know so it's kind of it's not going to um I, I'm never in a position where I have to choose that just my life isn't like that anymore. Do you know what I mean? My wife doesn't drink. Um, so, you know, in a way it's, it's kind of easy, really. It's easy. I kind of felt like, yeah. And I, my relationship with alcohol is really, really complicated. And I didn't, I don't know how much I was like addicted as in like physically addicted, or how I need it. Alcohol was more my identity, right? So I kind of, um, I needed it to be me. That's how I, I didn't know I had anxiety until I stopped drinking and realized I was fucking shit scared of everything because everything I did, I was always pissed, you know? So it, it was only for me, I had no idea. I was, I gave up drinking initially because every time I got drunk, I was horrible to my wife and that's like you know or i'd cause chaos i'd cause these situations i'd act up in some way you know um so for me it had to go because it's like i can't keep doing this do you know what i mean i can't keep like this doesn't work for me anymore it worked for a long time and i think that's a really interesting point in the conversation right when we talk about um if we talk about any of these things that we use to kind of uh soothe ourselves or whatever you can have good times as well right like you know it's easy to again it's like when we're saying about mental health before we only focus on the bad but some of my best experiences were being drunk you know Uh,
1: i was saying this in rehab all the time where i was like can we please just admit the good shit that alcohol has brought because alcohol has given me a lot i wrote a book drunk i you know have good times I have so many good memories of like I'm nicer to people when I'm drunk it's like can we can we have that instead of this like alcohol is this evil demon for everything why would any of us have drank then why would we have ever picked up a drink if it was all bad there was so much good with it and it's almost I think it's scary when people don't admit that because it's almost like you're in like a, a denial or you know it's a uh, your sobriety it feels like more shaky to me because then like one good thought will go in and then that will completely disrupt everything you've you've believed about it it's like we got to be fair about stuff and be you know honest about it to ourselves like there has been a lot of good times for for from alcohol yeah.
0: 100%. That's it. And if you, if you're just pretending that as soon as you stop drinking, that life's great and life's amazing. Well, anyone else who is struggling at the moment looks at that and says, that's not me. Yeah, I'm fucking this up. I'm getting this wrong. It's very similar to the mental health conversation, right? You know, it's okay to not be okay. And all these like cliches, but um, it's very, very simple, man. We need to, people need to talk honest about this stuff. There's so many Instagram Accounts, you know hashtag sober community and everyone's pretending like life's great as soon as you give up booze and I was like that wasn't my experience of it right my life got really hard when I stopped
1: yeah Um, because you can see how shit it is because you're sober it's like (laughs) all it's done right now has made me realize how shit it is but okay now now I have to try and make it better but yeah they sell you this dream sometimes of like everything everything's gonna be amazing as soon as you stop drinking it's like well, no, it probably won't be. If, you know, if you've eaten shit for three weeks, then you're the next day you're not gonna feel great just because you've eaten some grapes. It's like it's gonna take a while and it's gonna take work. Um, so so yeah, yeah. I hate that. I hate that. Everything is gonna be amazing because then you. I mean, I've felt so many times like I'm like I'm failing at sobriety. I am even in rehab, there, there's people that were like, I call them like poster children of sobriety. Everything was to the letter. They never questioned anything. It was just like they just got it, maybe. But I felt I was like, I'm I'm a fuck up here because like I've got questions, or like I I don't really agree with this one point, or you know, I feel this way about whatever. And you feel like there's something wrong with you, that everyone else in the room is getting it. Um, But I feel like probably half the room isn't getting it, you know, and I I do wish we were more honest about um, the realities of whether it's sobriety or whether it's like getting help for your mental health or whatever it is. It's like it's not a panacea to, you know, take an antidepressant or to go to an AA meeting. Um, It's just a better alternative than, you know, drinking yourself to death or killing yourself or something.
0: Yeah, that's it. And it, you know, we always find it. So as soon as someone goes first, well then, you know, then someone else will go, ah, oh, that gives me permission. Right. I feel such a relief that you've said that I can say that too. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's for me, that's real awareness. You know, there's, that's, that's how we do it, man. It's just, it's talk about this stuff and that kind of gives other people the the um, you know, the, the permission for want of a better word to talk about this, talk about this stuff too. Yeah. So was it like, I suppose with that in mind, we kind of touched on it before really, but how much of yourself you put into the book, you know, you said you were quite almost quite shocked at times by how much you, uh, you disclosed And is, is your comedy the same? Do you, um, do you talk about a lot of this stuff?
1: Um, I kind of think like the, the happier you get, the less into like dark stuff you are. So like, I used to like love dark humor and that was like reflected in my comedy style and now i just like don't find that stuff as funny anymore like i just don't uh i used to love like suicide jokes i thought they were hilarious and i guess because i wanted to kill myself so it's like you know parents love jokes about kids (laughs) if you want to kill yourself you're gonna love some suicide jokes whereas now i just like don't find that stuff as funny uh i like kind of sillier stuff now i suppose um but yeah i still i think like you know, if you're an honest person, you're an honest person. So, like, you, you're not even aware that, like, maybe it's like oversharing. Um, so, you know, I still do that, I, I suppose. Um, but there's even in the book, there's like a lot I left out. <laughs> People don't believe it because, like, there's so much in it. But, you know, I'm trying to tell my mom, I'm like, you could be more mad. It could have been worse. <laughs>
0: you know you have to like it's finding that balance i always think with like how much of ourselves we give to this stuff you know i um an episode recently with a, a comedian called juliet burton and she was telling me about um she's done a lot of mental illness related um comedy in the past and she was telling me, um, what's the, the phrase? It's a therapy phrase, performative surface level engagement. And she worked out that she was talking about her mental health to avoid really talking about her mental health. And when she yeah. said that to me, this like light bulb came on. It was like, hang on a minute. I think I do that on this podcast. You know, you ask me my <laughs> my story and I can drop into that narrative like no problem at all. And I can tell you that story without feeling a thing. And I was like, how much am I avoiding by pretending i'm not avoiding it you know so you have to kind of like almost decide of how much yourself you're going to give to your book or your audience or whatever it is that you're doing there's a there's a line right and you have to keep some stuff for yourself some stuff for the therapy room and and, and the rest of it can can go out there and do what it needs to do
1: oh that's interesting i thought like a head book what you just said where i'm like wait i don't know is anything i'm saying <laughs> authentic am i just saying this to avoid talking about wow wow yeah oh but
0: give give the episode a listen and let let me know what you think oh yeah I came off and like I hadn't been I'd been having a little therapy break and after I spoke to (laughs) Juliet I went and booked myself back in I was like right that's my signal that's my (laughs) signal from the universe that there's more more work to do
1: why were you having a therapy break um
0: I kind of think I for me once I kind of have some sort of do a big bit of work and afterwards I'll just feel like exhausted and I feel done and I do feel a little bit better and I think right I'm gonna have a rest I'm gonna try and process these learnings because I think sometimes we take all this information we figure out all this stuff and you never get a chance to apply it it's like on to the next on to the next thing and I'm I'm really obsessive I really like, you know, if I'm going to read your book, I'll read it in two days. If I'm going to start making podcasts, I'm going to do like three a week for years, you know, like I'm really, that's my thing. And I was kind of applying that to therapy. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I've learned this. Let me learn some more stuff. And so I try and like, yeah, and just process everything. And what I find is that the, if I, don't have it in my diary or in my schedule to go back it's like the universe gives me a little tap on the shoulder you know and says come on it's time and if I ignore that tap then the tap gets louder and louder and eventually yeah. I'm forced into it but yeah I like to have a break to just try and give myself a rest and, and process everything that my head's been trying to to figure out and trying to apply it to my life you know trying to apply. yeah
1: whatever. I really yeah. like that because that's so true you do need like sometimes it just you know, you'll get all this knowledge and like, great, great, great. And then it's almost like forgotten out the next day because something else comes in. Um, yeah. And I suppose like if you were going to run a marathon, not that I ever would, but I'm guessing like you, you rest for a while after that. So, you know, if we're doing a marathon for our brains, yeah, we should, I like that. Yeah. And that's, you need time to process it
0: yeah let it let it sink in you know let it see that works for me it might not work for everyone right It might not work and I suppose it depends on on what how far you are along that process and what's going on with you and what all these things are but yeah that's my own my own personal my own personal take but um, yeah yeah so what's um what's next for you Maurice what have you got going on at the moment
1: trying to write a novel dude it's hard to write it's over <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that uh yeah that proven challenging right
1: yeah it's um it's going very well i wrote the first draft of it when i was still drinking so i'm now just trying to read over it rewrite it um make it better i just like the it was the same with the memoir like i just have like just get eighty thousand words down which is like the the length of a book and and then work on making it good um so you know, I've got eighty thousand words of shit right now. <laughs> yeah,
0: were you? Are you? Were you always planning to write? How did you? Did you decide one day, ah, oh, fuck this, I'm going to write a book? Was it? You know, how did that? Yeah, come I about? feel like
1: everyone feels they have a book in them. Um, so I always had that idea, and then, um, a couple of years ago, I just wrote this essay when I was drunk. It was dog shit. Um, but I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll start writing um and then um yeah it was kind of during the pandemic i moved to the south of france and i would just swim during the day and i'd just be like typing smoking drinking my uh drinking my wine every evening and i was like this is it's so easy to write when you are doing something that's really fun um not, not that i recommend it but <laughs> i mean i do it was so fun um but you know I can't keep doing that uh so yeah it just kind of it came out really quickly um but i I, like i wasn't really sure what it was or anything um and uh yeah then then it sold and for for memoirs you sell on not the finished manuscript so i just had like little bits and pieces um and then yeah it it was probably like eight months working with an editor to like make it a book and you know make it uh coherent and loads of stuff was like put in and then taken out and that was like a learning experience because I mean I I still don't know how to spell like I am you know I'm not a writer uh I liked writing the book I want to write another book but like I don't know I don't know what syntax means like I I don't even know if I've said the word right there like I'm you know there's I don't know any of the rules of writing um so uh but i don't think that matters i guess no. like you can get a you can write a book without uh you know knowing grammar uh, you know microsoft does that for you like if you have a story to tell that you think is like interesting um you can just d- tell it
0: yeah i love that mate i think you know i suppose the only difference between someone who's written a book and someone who hasn't is the person that's written it has like sat down and done it you know and if you think you got a book in you the only thing that's going to get it out is yeah, trying to write it, do you know? it. Just do yeah it. yeah and I, I love the idea that you're kind of doing it um you know on your own terms and you're doing it without knowing you know what that word was you said that i didn't know what it was even but um <laughs> like, a, like maybe I said,
1: no one knows that maybe no maybe, one knows grammar, it's all yeah. just like a lie.
0: yeah, maybe you've just made a word up. And <laughs> you're more of a writer than you ever realized. but um yeah, but like I said, the it, when I was reading your book, I was really rooting for you, and that you know, a lot of that is
1: thank you
0: because you're in it, right? That's it's your word's your experience and um and it's a yeah, it's a wonderful journey. I'll make sure the links and stuff are to it in the in the episode. Thank you.
1: Trouble, it's trouble
0: Sick man but um yeah thank you so much for your time today Maurice. i enjoyed that immensely and i I really appreciate you coming on
1: yeah thank you so much for having me
0: oh no worries and yeah all the best on the on the sober journey man it's um yeah your your honesty around it's inspiring and i wish you all the best of best of luck with it all the luck yeah i hope
1: to get to six years man that's amazing congrats
0: thank you thank you very much Big up to the proper mental podcast. <laughs> A podcast. A proper mental podcast.